Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Camera, action! Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd can talk through film. I'm sorry, take it outside. Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd will come out of the gods. Let's action. Welcome to Runners Podcast, where for 11 years we've been going to see a new movie and podcasting our experience of the world. This week we saw Clerks 3. Uh, stay tuned very quickly where we, uh, <laughs> our new format allows us to review that movie in the first half. And then afterwards we might dive into some news of the week. Um, some one, the one thing that we've each been watching. And I don't know what the other thing is, but, uh, with me. Only today is Zach Eastman. Yes, the Dante to your Randall, no doubt. Clearly. Uh, <laughs> Ryan screwed up and did not find a time to attend the one week of screenings he had available to him of this movie. So he will now have to wait until October. And he is now out. and he is now the Elias of this group, thanks to that decision. He is. Uh, the, now, the now satanic Elias. <laughs> we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Uh, yeah. What's going on, man? Uh, you know, not that much. Um, got a film screening at a festival in two weeks, but the bigger, uh, the bigger news is that I'm finally leaving a retail job. I cannot stand after two years of inconsistency and chaos. <laughs> so you found a new job. Yeah. I'm going to work at an old folks home. <laughs> Oh, that's definitely video editing. <laughs> talk talk about a sitcom. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm still, I've still gotten some, some film gigs and podcast gigs that have floated my way. Um, and honestly, just been consulting a lot with other podcasts in the area, like, uh, required viewing with Aaron and Chloe and, um, <clears throat> punk rock horror podcasts. So I keep my tentacles stretched and, and, I uh, am finally going to embark on the episode that I've been wanting to do since I started my own show. Uh, we're going to talk about a movie called Madam Satan, which is an absolutely chaotic ball of nonsense uh, from 1930 that I'm so excited to talk about. I've been researching since Monday and the stories about it getting made are not so interesting as the films themselves, but it is a little glimpse into big budget filmmaking on a strange scale so um but i think there's some bigger news that's hit the wire though brad oh yeah yeah i i I think that you were given an award of some kind um i assume it's for best driving in in the state of colorado because you are our best driver i must be the best driver because i'm constantly that's my job now is to driving people's groceries to them so I mean, in general, just your ability to handle yourself on the road. The only other thing you're good at 
apart from uh, excellent driving, is, of course, excellent filmmaking. And I'm pretty sure that was recognized by the good folks at 48 Hour Film Festival this past weekend. Yeah, they they liked my editing this year. Uh, but it is actually isn't my editing. It's Patrick Doyle and Eileen Augusta who edited our film this year, and I put some light touches at the end of that. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to take credit for that one. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But you led a team that excelled enough to get an award, so we give you kudos for that. But yes, of course, Eileen and Patrick are fantastic talents. Just saying. Don't give your don't don't give yourself short shrift, man. Take in a victory lap, you know. Circle around the digital sphere, as it were, and and, get, and be proud of yourself. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> it's okay. I have a hard time being proud of myself too. <laughs> I've got some film screening uh, in the next couple weeks too. So uh, yeah, yeah, we'll that goes. So I think I think we'll probably be in the same room. So well, not in the same room, but in the same vicinity. We'll pass each other like ships in the night. Yeah, I wonder if we're screening in the same block because uh, then we'd be competing against each other, and that'll be uh, awkward. I have no problem with you winning over me. I have no, <laughs> I have no problem whatsoever. In fact, one of your films I was an active part of because I did the assembly edit for you. So, sure, um, yeah, justice, uh, justice heroes, um, justice team, justice team. Sorry, um, it's so weird just. Think that you call your justice team, and then there's the episode of Futurama, which is the new justice team. <laughs> so you made the prequel on accident. <laughs> I, yeah, and there's Justice League and all that. Yeah, it's yeah hard to keep track of that name. So, um, uh, but needless to say, you've done a fantastic job, and I'm proud of you, buddy. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I look forward to finally seeing your film. I know. I, I know you wanted to show it to me, but I was like, I want to see it in a theater setting. So there you go. <laughs> the reason it's screening is because you allowed it to, sir. <laughs> yeah. And I think Stalker's going to play at EFP this month. So that should be pretty cool. Yeah. That's going to be fun, man. It's going to, it's going to be a fun time. Um, oh, and we can't forget that in less than a week, the real beginning of Hollywood of, of Halloween watching begins. So. I am excited to begin officially and follow the rules of this arbitrary contest. (laughs) I do believe Ryan makes the rules, but uh, yeah, that should be fun to go through again. Ryan's continuing his challenge from last year of watching a, I don't know, a scary uh, horror movie every day uh, leading up to Halloween. Or horror adjacent as he was showing some Dick Van Dyke in the Twitter thread. Yeah, no, now he's not even like doing movies. He's just doing any, he's just watching anything adjacent. And I'm just like, cool. Why don't you just, uh, include you shopping for Halloween candy at the grocery store as part of your challenge then? Um, to, to be fair, the year before last, I did do a technical cheat by listening to old time radio Halloween laden or horror theme shows. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't give him too hard of a time. But I do disagree with this idea of starting in September. This is sacrilege. Um, this is against my religion, the religion of October 1st through October 31st. Uh, and I, uh, I, I take great offense to it. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, none of it matters. Um, it's, a, yes. it's just a dumb challenge that that I won last returns year. Returns <laughs> no reward. No, you didn't. I won. Yes, I did. <laughs> I, I tallied it up. 
<laughs> we could debate these election results in a kind way, as yeah. opposed to the way other elections. Otherwise, results. yeah, your letterbox says otherwise. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I won. I won that one, and my letterbox has the proof. So okay, um, so does my Twitter feed. <laughs> I'll have to dig, but it's there. Um, uh, I'll just let you pretend. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just let me live in the matrix for a minute, if you don't mind. Ryan, what are you doing next? Oh, he's not here. Um, uh, oh, this week we saw Clerks Three. Zach, what do you think of Clerks Three? Mm, I liked it, but I have a lot of caveats to it. Um. <clears throat> I've actually had about two weeks to think about my reaction to the film. And um, objectively, I agree with the decisions that he makes. Subjectively, I felt let down. So it's not... This is a weird review because I was so attached to Kevin Smith's work in high school and into college and meeting you guys that... Clerks three, Clerks three pose some questions for how I view Kevin Smith's work at this point. Um, but I think the only way to talk about it is to talk about the spoilers, unfortunately, because there's a lot of spoilers in the film. Um, I would say that if you want to give it a shot and you want to see where his brain was moving in regards to a Clerks three, please go seek it out. At the end of the day, this is a series that probably shouldn't have never been a series because, I mean, the the second Clerks is sort of a mini miracle in and of itself. So Clerks 3 is like a major miracle. Um, and um, I, I will say, though, this is the best I've seen Jay and Silent Bob utilized uh, as side characters in a movie since uh, probably Dogma. Um, even though I love them in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, I feel like they hit the correct tone this time around with it. Um, so, yeah. I would go check it out. Why not? It's it's fun. It, it it does have a good heart to it. Brad, what did you think of Clerks 3? Yeah, I actually got to see it twice uh, since we planned to see it. And uh, the first time I was a little cold on it. And the second time I saw it in the theater with Kevin Smith in attendance and a rabid fan base uh, in the audience. And the first time was just like me and three other people in our, uh, a regal theater. So, um the energy of that environment the second time was uh, a lot more attuned to me enjoying it. Um, but it's still definitely my third favorite of the Clerks movies. Um, but uh, I definitely uh, came around on on some things and enjoyed it better. Um, so yeah, yeah. And, and maybe as somebody who participated in watching the Q and A, you can have some, oh, some additional do. insight to provide. I do have some uh, stuff to share that uh, he let slip during Ooh, the Q&A. So. Nice. So here really? it is, the trailer for Clerks 3. Somebody get over, over, over. Yeah! That's how we did it in the 90s, son! I can't catch my breath, man. Really? Should I try mouth stuff? What is this, a Tinder date? Get off of me. Uh, oh, shit. Mr. Dante! I need an ambulance at the quick stop. 
Saved my life, man. Wish I had a life worth saving. What are you talking about? Sit around and watch the same movies over and over. I always thought you could have made a cool movie. You're right. I'm living on borrowed time. No more watching movies. I'm gonna make a movie! What's the movie gonna be about? It's about him working here. Meta. Everything in the script is something either me or someone I know said. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Maybe Jay and Silent Bob could be characters. Jay and Silent Bob are like C-3PO and R2-D2. They've been here since the first movie, which was the last time they were cool. But they've been with the franchise so long, they still give them cameos and put them on the lunchboxes. Snoochie Booches! Please tell me why! They believe in you. You should put in that stuff you used to say about the Death Star contractors. Get sued by Disney? No way. off your pants uh what the hell is this i added a scene where you get shot i'm not letting you kill me off in the third act what if there's a sequel a sequel what am i a hack i think it needs more weed so yeah we uh pick up on dante and randall in the late part of their lives and Randall they're still working at the the um quick stop and we very quickly find out that Becky uh has died uh shortly after clerks two mm-hmm. and uh this whole time Dante has been miserable while just hanging on and uh, uh making their dream of the quick stop uh you know they, they they've been coasting through the the twilight of their lives and then right. Randall has a heart attack and survives and he decides that he wants to make something of his life uh, for the first time. And he decides to make his own movie instead of just bitching about movies. And he ropes Dante into it and uh, everyone adjacent. And basically the movie he's making is the 1994 movie uh, that Kevin Smith made. Uh, so it's a very meta meta movie and we get to see what Elias has been up to and all the other Jersey characters um, for a while while also, you know, creating like a fictional version of the very real uh, circumstances of Kevin's life that we've heard on his podcast for many, many years. Right. Uh, Yeah. So uh, yeah. uh, Dante or Randall starts making his movie and it kind of, starts to go at odds with Dante, who's trying to forget the past and uh, the tragedy in his life. Well, and, he's, and he's trying to help support Randall because as part of the heart attack, the doctor explicitly tells him, like, encourage him and don't let him fall into depression. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun things uh, ensue as we revisit remade scenes of the first movie and uh, different perspectives. And um, uh, one of the interesting things <laughs> I think uh, is odd that no one uh, draws attention to is that as Dante and Randall are, are remembering uh, interesting moments from their lives at Quick Stop, yeah, uh, they never seem to acknowledge that the memories they're they're uh, remembering are from a single day. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like all the interesting stuff that happened, all those events took place on the same day. Yeah. Um, 
or or in the events of Clerks too. I I I have a feeling that there would have been nods to the Clerks animated series were it not for the news that dropped not too long ago that well there was Disney. a big one. Oh, which one was it? When they uh when they uh you know after once uh Dante is starting to like. I don't know. Complain a bit. Uh, Randall pulls him to the freezer, and oh uh, yeah, that's goes, right. Oh, it's that's like it's like Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, it's hot cold. Yeah. No, so. I meant the like recalling memories themselves, and of course Cause... Lando. Yes, Lando. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um... that, uh, yeah. With uh, like I thought it would have been interesting to uh, at least provide more. I like I get why they're all from those two days, obviously because he's really just focusing on uh, the nostalgia part of the movie, but. I think it would like the hangout for me is, as a creative person would have been it, it would have been interesting for him to have had them reminisce about things we didn't get to see. So um, yeah, it's new for us, but you know, nostalgia for them. Yeah, so. exactly. In in jokes, you're wanting in jokes from the quick stop that happened when he and Brian Johnson were working there, or when him and Vinny Pereira were working Co and Jason with the video store. Yeah, um, stuff, stuff that could have been new scenes. Yeah, um, from agreed. their time, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a um, there is a the, the movie had me on board pretty much from moment one, um, and the remaking of Clerks as a concept, uh, something that I couldn't get past was the fact that he already tackled this in its own way with Zach and Mary make a porno, and. Because of the idea of making a film where you work and having it be a big success. Um, although in the case of Clerks 3, that's not necessarily a um, uh, the same concept. Um, I thought it was interesting to watch scenes from the making of that film that we know were part of the making of that film, like Jay not wanting to dance in front of everybody else. I think that's a scene from me and my shadow or any of the clerks making of featurettes commentaries that everybody knows of, but for people who are non, non interested in the viewisk universe beyond its basic trappings, it's a fun sequence on its own. It's a, it's a very funny little sequence on its own. Um, and to kind of see to a certain extent, what what happens when you actually take these slacker characters from the nineties and stick them now, stick them into now? The bottom line is is that they're in their fifties and they're older. And I think I think it was interesting watching that dynamic play out for me as an older viewer versus when I saw Clerks Two in a theater and was kind of like bombarded with all of the Viewers universe leading up to that. Uh, by wanting to rewatch everything leading up to Clerks 2. Uh, and my perception of those characters has changed because I used to love Randall a, a ton. And now I'm like on the side of Dante pretty much every step of the way, <laughs> um, which I guess is a testament to what happens when you get older. Um, and the way they, uh, the way that they play with the dynamic of, filmmaking i think is interesting but um i i gotta be honest i think the ending is where people are either going to be on board or get off pretty quick um i don't know if i get off pretty quick yeah 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 by that point it's the end of the movie but like 
it's going to be a deciding factor for, I think, a lot of people as to whether or not they enjoy this film. Because this film des- decides to take a... It's almost like you could see it coming, but it's still a very sharp left turn. Um, which, for should we just spoil the ending at this point? I mean, we're at that point. Uh, Dante has a heart attack. Um, after very much unloading on Randall for everything that Randall has done to him throughout the previous two films in this film. And I love the editing of it. I actually love how it's intercutting between the static two shot from clerks and this overhead shot of Dante just drunk and trying very hard to keep his composure because of him wanting to help his friend. Um, And then, Dante gets put in the hospital. Randall selfishly just goes like, all right, well, you're going to be all right. I'm going to go finish my movie. And Elias chews him out, tells him that Dante put up his half of the quick stop to his ex, Emma, from Clerks 2, uh, so that Randall could make the movie. So then Randall goes home, re-edits the film, and makes it about Dante. And then Dante watches it in this... A dreamscape, heavenscape of sorts in a movie theater with Becky, who he's been talking to on and off throughout the movie. Um, and then Dante dies after having watched the movie of his life. Um, and the only, I thought they were going to fake it out at the last minute, but when Randall puts his, begins that eulogy and does the line he wasn't even supposed to be here today i'm like oh fuck they're committing to this okay that's interesting um i don't know how to feel about it still i feel like there are certain choices in regards to randall's character that don't make particular sense and i talked to a friend of mine who i was on the the view board with before and we we both had this similar thought of just like, you know, there needs to be something else that explains why Randall would become that douchey that quick during the production of the film to the point of leading to the heart attack. And that there, uh, his character up to this point probably wouldn't just abandon Dante at the hospital. Um, uh, I, uh, but again, like, I'm the guy who doesn't give a shit what they do in a Star Wars movie or a Star Trek movie or a any franchise movie and what choices are versus like what's true to the character. At the end of the day, I looked at this as an objective viewpoint from a filmmaking standpoint, which is Dante has been through hell for three movies. The happiest ending Kevin could have given him was to kill him. With the caveat that by the end of it, Dante's spirit is sitting there in the quick stop with Randall, and you sort of realize that Dante's never going to leave this inferno that's been made for him. Um, and so that, from an objective standpoint, I understand why he did it, and I know that, and you and I talked about this after I saw the film, is that Dante was supposed to die at the end of the first Clerks. The original Clerks ends with him getting shot dead. Uh, and I think it was, was, I don't know if it was Harvey or if it was Bob Hawk who told him, don't do that. Don't kill your character just because you have no way to end your movie. Uh, so I don't know if this was him wanting to reclaim ownership of something that he may have felt was taken from him back in 1994. I don't know. 
Um, but yeah, that's kind of where my thoughts lie on it. I think the movie is fucking hysterical. It's just that ending kind of leaves me in a weird wonky spot with my view my view universe love. Um, I still appreciate it, but it's just got some problems for me. So yeah, um, and then of course uh, Elias has turned to Satanism because uh, his prayers to Jesus to save Randall have gone unheard, and uh, yeah, Satan heard them. So yeah, I think probably the funniest part of the movie for me was uh, every scene he enters, he's wearing a different costume, and um, he's so committed to uh, his transformation to Satanism. <laughs> um, and then he has this. The one thing I didn't get was his uh, Silent Bob sidekick. Uh, blockchain coltrane yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like I, I get that he's a silent bob character but i'm just i just don't know where he came from or how he fits into the view universe like did it to, after two showings i i haven't picked up on it do you do you know <clears throat> i i get the feeling that there's a way to keep the view universe open with new characters and this is how you do it Block tra- blockchain Coltrane isn't really introduced until after uh, he... Well, no, he's introduced as one of the people helping with the NFT kite thing before Randall has a heart attack, right? Right, but is he, is the actor like someone in the, the Kevin Smith vicinity? Or like what was the purpose of the story to have Elias, especially since Elias is going to become Randall's sidekick, by the end of the movie, like what was like, it, I, I I just wasn't sure what purpose blockchain served other than just being like a, a second banana. I think he's just a second banana. It's what it is. Um, it, it's, you never know what they're going to try to do with it. I'm looking in his credits. The last thing we would have saw him in was scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. Um, not that he's bad or anything. I just, I just was kind of curious, like what, uh, was the, like, like I think why, it, why I think it might have, character? I think it might have been to give you the impression that he were he and uh, Elias were going to become the new Jay and Silent Bob, but then the twist happens, and then you realize, oh no, no Elias was always going to be the new Dante to Randall's Randall. <laughs> but, yeah, another um, thing I noticed about the movie is, um, yeah, I was kind of shot under the end of uh you know covid restrictions so it felt like a lot of scenes a lot of the characters are just playing to no one across from them mm-hmm. um and also i'm missing you know you know dave klein really grew as a cinematographer between the first and second movies and also i'd like to mention that you know the first two movies were about a decade apart and it's been almost two decades yeah. between two and three um so it was kind of, I felt like it was a step backward visually. Uh, not that this, uh, quick stop is like this cinematically, you know, even in the movie, uh, the best silent Bob, uh, uh, dialogue comes from him describing how ugly the quick stop is and how he can't stand, uh, becoming, being the cinematographer there. So he wants to shoot the thing in black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, um, I, uh, I, I mean, yeah. would this be a good time to also talk about the other component that's missing from the film? Scott Mosier, which on the yeah. second time I realized he, he does, he does make an appearance as Willem yeah. in the auditions. Yeah. But still he's, uh, he's absent from producing and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
which I, I, I wish uh, someone in the Q&A had asked about, like why he wasn't involved with that. Well, we know that Mosier, um, I mean, at a certain point in Smodcast before I stopped listening, um, not out of disinterest, just so much as I kind of moved on to other things, um, is that uh, Mosier started doing stuff for um, his own career. Uh, yeah, his own career, because he's done stuff um, in the animation realm, uh, whether it's Ultimate Spider-Man or... Um, uh, directing, co-directing that Grinch reboot from 2018. Um, but 2018. So I'm like, what is he busy doing for the past few years? Because I looked up his IMDb too, and um, yeah, he doesn't seem to inv- be involved in much um, publicly, I guess. He might just be working at Illumination right now, like just doing stuff for Illumination, which more power to him. Um, but yeah, him and Dave Klein being uh, absent from this um I, I don't wanna I don't wanna go off of any pre presumption that Kevin can't handle his own uh without those two in the room. But I I I feel like the script could have probably used another pair of eyes, and I think Mosher's probably would have been the best eyes to have on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, again, it's not a criticism. I like the movie. Uh, but I'm aware that that's a partnership that worked well for so long. You kind of wonder if, had he been on board, would the ending have been different? Or even if the ending is going to be what it's going to be and it's going to be contentious, that's fine. I give props to Kevin for making that move because it's a risky move, uh, that a lot of people seem to be responding well to, actually. Well, in the Q and A, without anyone asking, he did go on a long uh, explanation of the ending, mm -hmm. and it amounted to uh, you know when he made that trade as a kid uh, to make the movie more commercially acceptable, um, he gave up you know his artistic vision to do it, Mm -hmm. Um, and so him killing Dante at the end is kind of him rewarding the uh, the kid he believed in back then. Uh, that was more of an artist, whereas now he's more of, you know, he he feels like he was a sellout to do it. But at the same time, I'm like, mm. what a weird thing to be hung up on because it did lead to greater things for him. And just like k- k- killing Dante at the end of the first movie doesn't feel like that important of a of artistic vision to have to me. Well, no. Uh, I'll I'll play advocate here, you know. Well, no, because like the only reason it's in the script in the first place is because um, he didn't know how to end the movie, um, and clear. Like I don't know. I I just think like there there really is no reason to kill that character at the end of the in the movie other than um, you know to to shock the audience. I guess there is the well two things. Number one, the line I'm not even supposed to be here today plays as a very good dark joke if he dies at the end. Um, The other end of it is that, shoot, they're working in a convenience store in New Jersey in the 90s. Don't you think that there's a realistic tint to the idea that these guys get robbed and fucking shot to death every day? I I mean, that doesn't even apply to the 90s. Like, that applies to even today. today. Yeah. But also, like, 
it's such like low hanging fruit because I think if anyone made a, a convenience store movie, that's a scene that they would put in because it's so uh, conventional. It's expected. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not saying that it's the right move, but I am saying that like if he's if if his if his desire as an artist is to play into that spectrum, then yeah, he uh, then he accomplished what he wanted to do in that regard by creating that kind of character moment by the end of the film, he is achieving some form of artistry, but it's, you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't land the same way that the ending of that first movie does as we know it today, which is you're closed. And then you hear soul asylum play. Um, and there's enough weird stuff that happens in a single day that the line, I'm not supposed to be here today is Still, it's just as effective. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm, I, I mean, I'm a fan of the way it ends. That gives us this big, bright universe called View Askew. I'm, I'm aware that there's another world where this ending works just as fine. What's funny is I think it plays better now than it does uh, if you stick it in Clerks One, because as much as I don't like it. The idea of Dante dying at the end of this movie is pretty appropriate. Um, again, given the fact that these character this this character has been given been handed life shit stick, and it is almost just like let him rest. He's been through enough. Let him be with the woman he loves. Like the only other the the only thing that I would have wanted out of this film as a conceivable alternate ending is that Dante lives in. Uh, hooks back up with Veronica. That would have been my go-to place. Um, well, he definitely hooked back up with her. Well, I meant on a more permanent basis, not necessarily that very hilarious scene outside of the car. Um, uh, but uh, also, one of my, you know, I. It's also a shame that has. Let's say shout out to my friend Nate, who has his own show. Uh, called Yo, That's My John. We were talking about this. He was like, I wish that the movie screened and all of the people in the audience were people from the Viewers universe. That would have been a fun ending. I agree. Um, I don't know if it would have been seen as schmaltzy or cheesy, but I don't know. I kind of would have liked that. It's it's tough because you want to you want to honor what Kevin's bringing to the table as far as his terms uh, on his terms. Well, there is that scene. It's just uh, done as audio during the credits where yeah. Kevin talks about Randall screens his movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it was a scene that he took out. Yeah. Ultimately. So, but it's like, we need to see it. <laughs> That's the ultimate thing is we need to see it. Um, I-, I know it's in the script, but I wish we could have, sh- it could have been shot and we could have gotten, Everybody's sitting in that in a dingy New Jersey theater watching the movie. Um, that would have been great. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I guess I'm curious based on the Q and A. What else was revealed in that Q and A that uh, that he provided insight on? Well, it's definitely not the end of James Allen Bob. Um, Moose Jaws. Uh, Moose Jaws is on the table, but uh, more. Uh, uh, surprisingly, um, there is a Jay and Silent Bob trilogy in the works, and they might finally go to space. So, 
Uh, I'm sorry, then, what now? Um, he did uh, point out that. So we were the 13th screening on, on the tour. Uh-huh. And he, you know, he likes to see what the audience reacts to and doesn't react to. And he says our audience was the first one to laugh and celebrate that the line where James and Bob point out that they have been to Hollywood, Hollywood twice. And uh, <laughs> he sees no reason for them not to go a third time. So not only will they be going to space, but they will be returning to Hollywood. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that happens. But he's got the 430 movie in the works probably next, most likely. The, uh, four, the 430 movie? Yeah, the one about, um, again, another movie about making movies. Um, it's about his time. Now that he owns a theater, it's about his time going to see movies in that theater. So the 430 okay. movie. Uh, probably related oh. to his uh, movie going adventures with his dad. Um, oh, that would be nice. But yeah, that um, uh, Twilight of the Mall Rats is still uh, hopefully thanks to uh, Lionsgate, they will be able to secure the rights for that. Um, and what else? Uh, Dogma is still in hell with the rights because Yep. Wednesday won't sell them because he's an asshole. Uh, but uh, never say never. Um, eventually that guy's gonna die. So yeah, uh, it may come back. But yeah, if if you're looking forward to a Blu-ray release uh, anytime soon, uh, it's it's a long way off. But he did admit uh, you can see that shit for free on YouTube. So <laughs> if you if you dig hard enough. <laughs> You'll uh, find it. <laughs> or you can go to uh, his own website and it's uh, it's got a different name. It's, it's under a different title. I think it's called Jane Silent Bob Find God. So, uh, Are you serious? Yeah. He put the movie up on his website? Under a different name. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh. I'm surprised that that hasn't hit the the the, the newsstands yet. <laughs> maybe there's a maybe there's a common common consensus to keep your mouth shut on that one, so that Harvey doesn't get a fucking red cent. I mean, I it can't be that bad because I you know he told it in the Q and A, and obviously I'm here telling you now. So he, you know, there's no there's no embargo on his Q and A. Oh so. yeah, no, 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 it's public knowledge now at this point. Um. Well, that's 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 pretty solid if we're gonna get some more Jay and Silent Bob movies. You know, it's funny, like that I do love the way Jay and Silent Bob are handled in this film. Like how I love how they don't know who the fuck I, like after everything that they've been through, they literally are so stoned that Jay does not know who these Dante people are. Sergio, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dante Sergio. Or that they've been their story is the old RSD video. Yeah. <laughs> um that stuff's fun. That that um, that that stuff was really fun. Uh, the fact I I actually love the scene where it's just before they're gonna go into the movies to recreate the donkey show, and uh, they they just approach the employees and Jay's got like fucking Wolverine claws full of blunts. <laughs> it's just for no reason other than to make me smile. There is a breakdancing sequence with Jay, Sound Bob, in a big movie. <laughs> it was fun uh that's the that's the thing like i i have issues with the ending only because that second movie ended so perfectly to my sensibilities as a fan 
But I'm very curious to see what generation grows up with clerks watching it this way with this third entry as public knowledge. Uh, it's actually kind of exciting to think about it. Um, and just uh, the the only other thing that I wanted to point out on this film before we wrap up is that <clears throat> there was a scene in the movie that still sticks, sticks with me, and I have no idea how to read it because... To my knowledge, I've never really heard any expression out of Smith that amounts to him saying people can't take a joke anymore or that's a, a th offensive stuff is whatever. Uh, the whole joke about the Asian design major and people calling it out. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a joke where I'm like, well, I, 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 I I try I try not to read too much anymore into a filmmaker, but Kevin is so close to the vest with his scripts that I always tend to look a little bit further in there. And I'm like, is he trying to address something that he realizes now might be a problem? Because, like, I've never really looked at it that way. I mean, maybe that's for my lack of understanding, but I was just like, I never thought that this really needed addressing because it's not a... It's more or less like a, a red herring from the plot to get you into the discussion of Dante's love life. I think it just makes for a funny scene. Yeah, that's fun. Just interesting to think about, considering that of all the things that they would want to address, that's the one. Um, and um, I, I also loved, I think my favorite cameo is his mom. His mom, uh, repeating the very line that she that she said about the film itself like who would pay to watch this shitty garbage <laughs> yeah that was fun that was a lot of fun and affleck's cameo was great boston john um yeah d uh doesn't hit the highs of clerks too for me but it's it's still an enjoyable one of, one of my favorite things this year so uh yeah, yeah let's uh let's uh Dig in some to some news. It's real news. Well, I guess Logan wasn't it after all. <laughs> uh, in an in uh, uh, Instagram announcement, uh, Ryan Reynolds apologized for missing D23 and just told people that Hugh Jackman's going to be in Deadpool 3. Um... Yeah, I mean, the, the, this is fun in the respect that we're going to watch those two on screen duking it out as their, their most respectively famous characters. Um, I, I sort of wish it wasn't happening because I did want Logan to be the final time. And at the same time, I do want to watch him play that role again. So it's, it's kind of like a, I'm happy it's here. I would have been fine if it never happened. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I, I, I'm fine if it didn't happen, but I also don't feel like Deadpool is like a connected universe to the MCU or the X Men movies. So, yeah, it's 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 its own thing that can incorporate the other things. Like it, it just feels like it, it can be yeah, its own fun cameo thing. Um, but yeah, I, I I won't ever imagine it as connected to you know the you know singer X Men movies. You know, so mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's just like cool. We have this like pop culture insertion of a character uh, based on a bunch of 
meme fighting. So it's it's just, yeah, I, it's it's part of the joke. It's it's all meta. So yeah, um, it's, it's neither the first nor last uh, cameo of Hugh Jackman in the Deadpool universe. So yeah, no, that's that's a good point. So um, yeah, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna get uh, Deadpool three. I think the beautiful part is we're gonna get Deadpool three, which based on how Deadpool two happened. I assume that there's going to be another Jack Benny reference because I think that's what really sold tickets at the box office for Deadpool 2. Yeah, totally. And yeah, had nothing to do with Josh Roll and his cable. It had everything to do with a dead comedian. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, that's, that's news. So what's the one good thing you watched this week, Zach? So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Before I do uh, that, I want to quickly point out that I, I did watch Pearl from last week, and I thought it was an absolute masterpiece of a, of a work. It's fucking gorgeous and on point. Um, it's it was it's one of my favorite films of the year, hands down. Um, but <clears throat> moving on to uh, positive stuff that I've seen this week. Um, <laughs> the day that I watched Pearl, I actually watched another movie called Theater of Blood at Film Club. And it's a great movie too, but they were both really like very dark and twisted t- tales. And so Malia showed me a movie called Last Holiday, and I actually liked it. It's with Clean Latifah. Um, she's a uh, she plays a woman working uh, at the in the uh, kitchen uh, cooking area of a of a re- of a big retail outlet. Uh, she is in love with this uh, other coworker uh, played by LL Cool J. And uh, when they're kind of flirting and almost maybe going to get into a relationship. Oh, no, she gets hit on the head. And uh, she finds out that she has a, a terminal disease the, that's in, that is affecting her brain and that she has only three weeks to live. So she says, fuck you to uh, toxic work environments and uh, a humdrum life and takes a big old vacation to uh, it's, it's, it's a I think it's in Czechoslovakia. It's like rich people's hotel catches out all of her money that her folks left her and just has a time of her life, like living it to the fullest. Um, the movie is very, very sweet. Uh, it's got a lot of fun, fun, high concept comedy moments. Uh, I feel like this movie is one of those 2000s comedies that might have fallen by the wayside. Uh, it's not like, it's, it's not like reaching the grand heights of an independent film, but it's got a lot of charm about it. It's, it feels like a, a golden age Hollywood movie in a lot of respects. Um, the character actors in it are just so well distinguished, um, and, and hit a variety of notes. Um, John Claro Esposito's in the film. Um, you've got Gerard Depardieu in the film. There's, there's like, there's a bunch of like interesting cats running around this hotel, uh, both from an American and European aesthetic. Um, and it's just, it's just good chicken soup for the soul. Um, I feel like it's a movie that will be best served rewatching it during the holidays themselves. Um, but it, it's, I found out it's actually based on a 1951 British, uh, film with Alec Guinness, which compels me to want to see it and s- compare the two. But considering that it's a movie from 2006 that kind of got, tossed to the wayside it was good to kind of get it from the perspective of of my girlfriend and to kind of see what entertains her and i enjoyed it along as well like it 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 just worked for me as well i needed a good chicken soup movie and that's what i got so 
if you're looking for something light and frothy and uh, full of heart, I would recommend Last Holiday. Okay. Brad, what's the one thing you watched this week? Yeah, I don't think I really have one. No? Nothing? Yeah, nothing I can talk at length about. Like, I, I just watched Moon Age Daydream, and that was interesting. And then uh, I, watched, I, fi- I finally uh, caught up to uh, the game on uh, The Queen's Gambit, which I enjoyed. And mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. Oh, I, I am caught up on Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, too. That's another positive thing. That's that show's getting better every every episode. Like they're finding new ways to up the ante on action sequences for them. Um, not necessarily breaking the same ground as a Marvel show. Like it's it doesn't have a daredevil hallway fight. You know what I'm talking about? No. Um, <laughs> what? Oh, you haven't seen Daredevil? I've seen Daredevil. I just yeah, I'm not. Rings of Power is just not on my radar, so I don't care. Gotcha. All right. Well, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan and you're wanting to see some action sequences kind of upped a little bit and how they're intertwining it with a little bit of horror imagery, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. All right. Well, uh, looks like uh, Corinne wrote in with a caching of the class or wrote in uh, called in with a caching of the classics. So here it is. Hey, nerds, Corinne here for part 44 of Catching the Classics, where I watch famous and popular movies I've never seen before and send in my review. This week, I finally, finally watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, I don't know why I've never seen this before, but uh, actually, well, having watched it now, I'm like, I kind of see why I probably haven't watched this before. Uh, (laughs) This is supposed to be a children's movie because holy shit. There's so much, like, sexual innuendo, and not even innuendo, just a lot of sexual elements that are maybe not explicitly said, but they are very obviously drawn, and uh, then you got, you know, people getting shot and killed, other people getting boiled in acid, so then again, I guess my parents let me watch Indiana Jones, so... I don't get the logic behind watching some things and not others. But anyway, um, yeah, honestly, can't believe that this was a movie. Was this supposed to be made for kids? Was this supposed to be made for more like teenagers to kind of bridge the gap between like all the cartoons of your youth, but also this kind of like crime noir detective action movie um, that, again, is kind of a little bit more... Um, like Indiana Jones level of, you know, horror and stunts and action and bloodshed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have to admit it, like parts of it were pretty impressive. Um, seeing these 2D characters interact with the 3D world. There were some instances where I was like, okay, that was cool. And then it just went on a little too long. And uh, you know how when they made those movies back in, like, the 2010s, and they're like, nah, you know, watch, I don't know, Secret Life of Pets or Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs in 3D, and then there'll always be, like, that one shot where, like, something, like, pops out of the screen at you, and you're like, whoa, that was really cool, um, and then nothing like that ever happened again in the rest of the movie, um, but, you know, there'd always be, like, that one pandery sort of shot that it's like, you gotta have it in there, because it looks really cool. Um, a lot of the movie felt like that, that there were definitely things where, uh, you know, I felt like you didn't have to do that. 
I felt like you did it just to show off what you could do. Um, and of course, uh, as far as I remember, cause I just watched, um, this documentary about Disney during that time period. Um, it's called waking sleeping beauty, uh, which is, it's a fabulous documentary by the way, but I want to say that they had, um, collaborated with the, like who framed Roger Rabbit team for, you know, a lot of the different animated sequences and, this movie was, like, super over budget, so I'm like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me, considering uh, a lot of the practical effects they had to do for the movie, and, you know, stunt work and all of that, but again, I'm like, how much of that was, like, absolutely needed, and how much of that was, we just want to show off how cool this is gonna look, but at least after a while, it got kind of, like, repetitive, it's like, okay, you're just doing the same thing, because, because you just, I don't know. You want to show off what you can do. And I'm like, that that's cool. But, you know, you do it once or twice and you bl- knock everybody's socks off, but you keep doing it and it's going to, you know, people are going to get tired of it. So, but again, <laughs> having not watched it growing up and, you know, I think you appreciate things differently when you're a kid versus when you're an adult and it's been done, you know, we've seen it before, we're jaded about it and, uh, at least that's how I feel. Yeah. I get, there were some things that were really impressive, but I think that they just did it too many times to where it wasn't impressive anymore. I, I don't know. Um, obviously, I had major problems with how Jessica Rabbit and basically most of the female characters were treated in the movie. Just very secondary, very flat. Or they're like super sexually objectified. You know, obviously... Jessica Rabbit. I knew about her design going in, so I wasn't, like, surprised, but I was still just frustrated. <sighs> yeah, oh my gosh, those dimensions are even, even today, that's absolutely ridiculous. She's got these, like, huge boobs, but then she's got this, like, pencil-thin waist. I'm like, that's not physically possible <laughs> to have a waist that small. And honestly, it doesn't even look attractive, well, to me. It doesn't look attractive to me. It looks so stupidly surreal. I don't see how anybody can find that attractive. Anyway, but that's just me. So, again, if you're probably like a preteen boy watching this, you probably thought it was super hot. I don't know. (laughs) Don't want to speak for anybody, but I can imagine. Um, Yeah. The story was fine. There were a couple of sequences, um, like when they did the montage of, you know, looking at the different newspaper clippings and the photos around the room, all this kind of, you know, 40 jazz music plays in the background. Um, that was kind of a cute little scene. And then, you know, it kind of transitions into like the next day because he fell asleep at his desk. Um, yeah, that was fine. And also, uh, how all the cartoons were like, 1940s era. They didn't have any of the modern cartoons. So, you know, Pinocchio was in there, Dumbo was in there, all the cartoons that would have been out at that time, but not any of the modern stuff. So, yeah, it was fine. I didn't love it, and it definitely hasn't aged well, I would say, but it's it's a product of its time, and it's also a product of the time period in which it's set, because they have to kind of do this throwback to the 40s and the, you know, toots and doll and 
uh, dames and shit like that. So, yeah. Wasn't, eh. it was worth watching once, and now I don't have to worry about it anymore. So, I'd give it, maybe like a three. I would be willing to give it a three and a half, but, damn. (laughs) I just can't get over how sexually objectified Jessica Rabbit is. And and you you might be like, well, that's the point. And I'm like, yeah, well, you can still sexually objectify her if that's the point, which I don't think that that should be. But you can make her attractive without making her look ridiculous in terms of just physics and biology. Oh, my gosh. Like, Betty Boop looks fine. Anyway, Betty. So... Yeah, I'll give it three. I did like Christopher Lloyd as the villain, but damn, they just, (laughs) that was so obvious. It's Yeah, I guess I just don't know who this is made for, because it's like super violent for like kids. So I wouldn't want kids to watch this, but there are so many things that I think adults would get bored by. So I guess they made it for like tweens, again, to kind of bridge that gap between the cartoons of their childhood to the kind of more dark and gritty and sexually objectifying crap that happens when you're a teenager. So, yeah. All right, anyway, I'm done talking about it. Who framed Roger Rabbit? I'll give it three stars. So, thanks, nerds. I'll talk to you guys next time with something. These are so few and far between anymore. I'm not going to commit to something, but hopefully part 45 is super awesome. So I'll talk to you next time. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Corinne. Uh, next week, what are we seeing? You know, I don't know. It's it's hard to tell uh, with our grandmaster, Ryan, gone. He usually provides direction in my life. Tells me to do everything that I do in my life, Ryan, or Brad. Um, so I, I feel lost without him. Um, perhaps you can tell me. Well, I'm looking at the release schedule, and September 30th, the wide releases are Smile, Bros, and The Good House. I'm guessing Smile is a horror movie, so that's probably going to be his pick. Yeah, or Bros. You know, you never know. He might be a Billy Eichner fan. Uh, it's it's less likely than he's a, a horror fan, so I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing well, we, it's going to be Smile. Well, we also didn't do Barbarian, did we? We didn't do Barbarian. Uh, so that could come back up since we've all seen it. Uh-huh. Um, and there's some others that we've teased that we just never got to. So those might come back up. But uh, um, yeah, October, I'm sure there's plenty on the way. So we won't be starved for much longer. No, we won't. Um, I, I believe we get uh, the return of evil itself. Uh, and it's going to end. It's all going to end. Every single bit of it. I thought it was October 8th, but yeah, it's 14th. Yeah, it's so. 14th in two-week two, two period, yeah. Yeah, we gotta wait longer. I wish it was October 8th, but no. Yeah, October also has Black Adam, so we've got some comic book stuff coming up. Um, yeah, yeah. The Rock as a supervillain hero anti-thingy. An anti-hero. Um, but yeah, not many months left in this year, so Mm-hmm. I'm sure one of those weeks is also going to be from Explosion 2012, finally. So Yeah. 
You know what I would recommend? It's one that didn't even pop up on anybody's radar is see how they run with Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan. Mystery movie. That could be fun. I mean, there's always small indie films that are good choices that we just never get to because it all depends on what Ryan can get to the theater to see. That is true. That is true. And since he couldn't get to Clerks 3, that means he never gets to see it ever. That's right. Yep. We're going to withhold it from him. So you call the Best Buy nearest him, and I'll call the Best Buys nearest me. So in that way, he has no other options. That's actually pretty cruel because uh, Clerks 3 is coming out on a steelbook at Best Buy that you can pre-order right now. So Well, he made choices. <laughs> and now he must be punished. <laughs> it was called having a family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding though. I, 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 asshole. I adore Ryan and his family and I hope he gets to see clerks three as soon as possible. All right. All right. Until next time. All right. Bye. Well, a real nerd knows who shot a real nerd can follow the plot and a real nerd will give it all the gods what's coming action. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bolonium for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.